I invite everyone to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. I'll give you a little more time to find it than I normally do because it's been a whole month since we studied it together. We had a Gospel Roots message, Cody preached an excellent sermon from Jonah 1 and 2, and Kevin Compline preached for us last weekend for our special anniversary celebration. So it's been like four weeks since we were in Galatians together. We're in Galatians this week, and then next week we take another break from our series to hear from, from Rich Hoyt, our missionary in Chad, Africa, which, by the way, this is the first time we've met the Hoyts. We've been supporting them for a couple years, but we only met them by Skype and by uh, a video before, so it'll be wonderful to have them. Uh, I'll be here leading uh, worship, but Rich will be preaching next Sunday, and I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to share with us. I fully expect, however, to finish Galatians before Christmas. I think we can do that. We only have a chapter and a half to go. So let's get back to Galatians this morning and remind ourselves what we've learned so far. Our series is called The Truth of the Gospel because that was what was at stake in Galatia. The Apostle Paul had been in the region of Galatia and had planted gospel churches in that region and he loved those people and they loved him back. But false teachers had wormed their way into the churches and had begun spreading a false gospel, which is really no gospel at all. The false teachers were saying that to be justified, to be righteous with before God on the last day, a person must observe the Mosaic law and rely on observing the Mosaic law. And that's a false gospel. That's not how it works. So Paul has sounded the alarm and has systematically dismantled this false gospel and urged the Galatians to stick with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Does that sound familiar? I hope so because I don't have time to go back and preach the first four chapters again for you this morning. In chapter 5, which is where we are now, Paul has brought it all to a climax and reminded the Galatians that it was for freedom that Christ had set them free. So they shouldn't go back to a yoke of slavery to the law. But also that they shouldn't use this new freedom to indulge their flesh, their sinful nature. Jesus has brought us freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. And He has called us to be free to serve others in love. Apparently, these Galatians were having trouble getting along with each other. Paul says in verse 15 that they were biting and devouring each other. That's not a church you want to go to where they're biting and devouring. That's not what our freedom in Christ is for, Paul says. Our freedom in Christ is given to us so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves. We are free from the law so we can fulfill the law and love our neighbors as ourselves. Which leads to a question, right? How do we do that? Where does the power come from to do that? Because it's, it's not that easy to love other people, is it? You ever tried to just live a life of love for a day? And how fast that dissipates, right? From where does the power come? Kevin told us last week when he took us to John chapter 14. When he told us about Jesus' promise of the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. And what a difference the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the power source for the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the dynamo that makes it all possible. Paul reminded the Galatians in chapter 3 that they had received the Holy Spirit by faith, not by observing the law. Now he tells them to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what he says in the very last line of our passage for today, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let me read it to you. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray together. Thank You, Lord, for the Scriptures. Thank You for these God-breathed words that are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank You for giving us this Word that is sure and certain. So many things in this life are unsure and uncertain. But this is something we can stand on. So help us, Lord, to grasp it. Get it inside of us, Lord. Help us to ingest it, not just through our ears, but all the way to our hearts. And change us, Lord, so that we look more and more like what we just read. We pray this in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This passage is full of good news. This passage of Holy Scripture is just Overflowing, Todd, overflowing with good news for Christians like you and me. Now, often when I read this passage, I don't feel it that way. I I don't recognize it. It doesn't hit me like that. When I read about the flesh and the flesh's works, it seems so powerful and, and ugly. And even when I read about the beautiful fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23, I am reminded how far short I fall in reflecting that fruit right now. I can read this passage and feel condemned. 
But as I read it carefully this week to preach it, I saw how Paul was urging the Galatians to keep in step with the Holy Spirit because Paul was sure that the Holy Spirit was going to powerfully work within them. This passage is just brimming with good news. Let me give it to you in three steps, in in three points. Number one, the Spirit will win His fight. The Spirit will win His fight. Let's look again at verses 16 through 18. And what I want you to hear are the fighting words, right? Like Yosemite Sam, them's fighting words, right? Listen for the fighting words. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Here's the truth. There's a war going on. And this war is going on. It is raging inside of you. It is a war between the sinful nature... And the Holy Spirit. This war rages across the hearts of Christians. Now, we know who the Holy Spirit is. Kevin told us about Him last week. Who is this sinful nature? Or if you have the King James Version or the ESV, it says the flesh. Who's that? Not the flash. Shenley, not the flash. But the flesh. Who is that? The flesh is the old you. It's your old way of life, pre-Christian. It's what's left over of your old sinful self now that you have become a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not just your bodily cravings. It's not just like that you're hungry or thirsty or that you want this or that. It is all of your old spiritual passions and desires. Everybody's got one of these sinful natures. Not just unbelievers. Everybody. Do you remember when we learned that phrase, The Latin phrase, simul justus et peccator. Anybody remember that one? No? Kind of. That's from Martin Luther, right? This month is Reformation Month. Martin Luther said that we are simul justus et peccator, simultaneously righteous ones and sinners. We are declared righteous in Christ, justified, and given a new heart when we came to faith in Christ, regenerated, But our new hearts are not yet perfected, glorified. So sin still dwells within us. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We learned that last week. And yet so does sin. Now let me ask you a question. How do you think the Holy Spirit feels about living in the same residence as the sinful nature? Do they basically want the same thing so that they can coexist? No, they do not. Verse 17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So what do we have? A cage match. Right? There's a fight going on. The Spirit and the sinful nature, verse 17, are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. Now we all feel this, don't we? You feel this, don't you? Don't you often feel like there's a battle going on inside of you? I want to be holy, but I don't want to be holy, right? I want to be pure, but I don't want to be pure. I want to speak the truth, but I also want to tell lies. I want to be a man of peace, 
but I also want to fight. I want to be content, but I also want to be gluttonous. You know how that feels, don't you? Well, I've got two pieces of good news for you this morning. Number one, praise God. It's a good thing there's a war inside of you because it's His war. If there was no battle inside of you, then you might have to wonder if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you at all. You know, I'm not very worried about folks who come to me and confess terrible struggles with sin and the battles that they feel all the time to gain some victory. You know who I worry about? I worry about people who I see who have just given in to sin and aren't struggling with it very much. Who aren't aren't even aware of their indwelling sin because they don't yet have the Spirit within them to start the fight. So praise the Lord for the war within. And secondly, praise the Lord, the victory is sure. Because this is His fight. We know how it's going to ultimately turn out. Who's going to win the cage match of your soul? The sinful nature or the Holy Spirit? Who are you putting your money on? Now, now, what does it feel like sometimes? We know what it feels like. Even the Apostle Paul felt sometimes like the flesh was going to win. Remember when we studied Romans 7? How he felt there. But who do you really think is ultimately going to win this battle? My money is on the Spirit. Any fight that the Holy Spirit seriously takes up is no contest. That's why Paul says to live by Him. Look again at verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And what? And you will not, guaranteed, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now literally it says there to walk by the Spirit. Some of your versions say that. Walk by the Spirit. I think that means that the Spirit provides the direction and the empowerment for the Christian life. To walk is to live in a certain direction. And Christians walk by the Spirit. He provides both both the direction and the power to move. And if we're walking by the Spirit, the flesh simply will not win. I don't mean every once in a while. I don't mean that isn't a battle every day. I don't mean that we don't often feel beaten down and defeated, I mean that the victory is sure. Isn't that good news? Look at verse 18. Paul says, I know it feels like you can't do what you want to do, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Well, who's led by the Spirit? Christians are. Christians are those who are led by the Spirit. They are guided through life by the Holy Spirit. The word if there in verse 18 could be translated since. Maybe some of your translations have the word since there. Since you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. He's been talking about that all along, hasn't he? Not being under law. You're under grace. You're released from the law because of the Spirit. You don't need the law. You don't need Moses' law. You've got something more powerful at work inside of you doing battle with the flesh. And who will win? The Spirit will win His fight. Do you need to hear that today? I know it's frustrating that there's a war going on in your heart. And it seems like it will never end. Right? Paul says there's this conflict. 
bang, bang, bang. They're, they're going up against each other every day. It starts every morning when you get up, right? Or if you couldn't sleep, it's all night when you're awake. It's relentless, this battle. And willpower alone doesn't cut it. You don't do what you want, he says. But the Spirit, He will win this fight. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion for the day of Christ Jesus. You're a Christian. So you are led by the Spirit. You're not under law. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Isn't that good news? So what does this winning look like? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit wins His fight in your heart? It looks like fruit. Number two, the Spirit will produce His fruit. The Spirit will produce His fruit. Look at verse 19. This acts of the sinful nature, the, the deeds that the sinful nature produces, are obvious. Obviously sinful, that is. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. As usual, Paul starts with the bad news. If you live like verses 19 through 21, then you can have no assurance that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because these things come out of the sinful nature and are signs that the sinful nature is all that there is to know about you. Sexual immorality, that is sex outside of the covenant of marriage. Impurity, debauchery, giving yourself fully over to unholy sexual passions. Idolatry and witchcraft, both of which are false worship of other gods. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Those are all those relational type sins that are the the biting and devouring that they're dealing with. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the like, he says, which opens up all these categories for expansion as we think up new ways to sin and new levels to take sin to. If that's what characterizes your life, if, if you look in the mirror and you see verses 19 through 21, then it's obvious what you're living from, the flesh, the sinful nature, and it's ugly. And Paul warns us that if that describes us, then we aren't headed to heaven. If that's your lifestyle, if it's your regular practice, if that's your pattern of life. Paul warned them before and he warns them again and he warns us. If your life looks, looks like verses 19 through 21, then it's pretty obvious you aren't going to get the kingdom. He says, but catch this. That's not what he expects of believers. Paul expects believers to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to embody the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, famous words. But, see the but there? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. My parents have a plaque with these two verses hanging in their kitchen in Ohio. Can you see it in your mind's eye? Here's the fridge. There's the plaque right next to it. When I was growing up on the farm, it hung over the stair steps to our upstairs. I used to sit on the landing and read that plaque over and over again and commit it to memory. I can, I can do the fruit of the Spirit because of that plaque. 
I didn't know back then that it was in the Bible. But I knew it was good. And I knew it was beautiful. That's a beautiful list, isn't it? Marilyn, put it on the, on the front of your bulletin. It's uh, on the bulletin board as you come in. It's been there for months. Marilyn, I think, uh, I think I led Marilyn to believe I was going to get to Galatians 5 a lot sooner than I did. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who wouldn't want those nine virtues to describe them? Well, guess what? That's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. That's what He's up to. That's what Paul is saying, is that these character qualities are produced by the Holy Spirit when He comes to live inside of us. This is His fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is these things. You see that? That's good news. Fruit, you know what fruit is? Yes, Pastor Matt, I think I know what fruit is, right? Fruit is the product of some process organically tied to its source, right? Fruit is the product of a process organically tied to its source. So apples are the product of apple-making trees. Oranges are the product of orange-making trees. Acorns are the product of acorn trees. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control and other such things are a product of the Holy Spirit and His process in our hearts. They are His fruit. And He's going to produce it in us. He's going to do it. Isn't that wonderful? The Spirit will produce His fruit in us. His love. His joy. His peace. His patience, His kindness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, His self-control worked into me, worked into you. Now that doesn't mean we don't have any part in it. It's not like it's just automatic, no. But this fruit doesn't come from our own self-effort and independent hard work either. This is His work in us. Our job is simply to repent, trust, and cooperate as He produces it in us. I don't know about you, but I've often made the mistake of trying to make Galatians 5, 22 and 23 a checklist of the character items that I need to achieve, like levels in a video game, right? Okay, I got the love, all right, now I'm going to do the peace, right? I, I, if I work really hard at it, I might get to patience, I might not. But I can't just walk up to these things and achieve them by myself or with a little help from my friends and then check them off my list. No, I need the Holy Spirit, to create these things in me as I yield myself to Him, as I keep in step with Him. And when He does, then I increasingly begin to look like Jesus. As the Spirit produces His fruit in us, we are increasingly restored to the image of Christ. And that means that we are increasingly holy. This is what holiness is. These nine things are holiness lived out in someone's life. Ever wonder what holiness looks like? This is a picture of holiness. Sometimes we think about holiness as being not doing certain things. Well, I don't do that. And I, I don't do that. And I, I certainly won't, wouldn't do that. Forsaking unholy things is part of holiness. Saying no to verses 19, 20, and 21. But it's so much more than that. Holiness is being a loving person. Putting someone's needs above your own. 
Holiness is being a joyful person. Someone who's filled with a happiness that isn't tied to their circumstances and how things are going in their life. Holiness is being a peaceful person. Someone who isn't ruffled by the difficulties of life. Not that they ignore the difficulties, but their boat isn't upset by the wind and waves of adversity. They have peace with God. They're peaceable with others. They have peace in themselves. That's holy. Holiness is having patience. The King James Version translates that long-suffering. Great description. That's putting up with someone or or something for a long time. Long-suffering. Without complaining. When you or I see that in another believer, we are seeing holiness. It's fruit. Holiness is kindness. Being a person who finds every, something good to say to someone that will build them up and not tear them down, even when it's hard to do. There are some really kind people in this church. And you know what? It's holy. Holiness is goodness. Wholesomeness, moral beauty on the inside where it really counts. Holiness is faithfulness, sticking to promises. Holiness is gentleness or meekness, strength under control. Holiness is self-control. Being a person who has himself or herself under command. That's holiness. This is what holiness looks like. And it is the fruit, not of our effort, not of our, our works, not of our, our righteousness, but of His of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is going to produce it in us. All of it. All of it. This summer, our prayer meeting studied the fruit of the Spirit one piece at a time. That's why we don't have 12 more weeks of of this series, or I'd be be parked in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 for a long time. And our prayer group noted every week that it says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, not the fruits, Plural of the Spirit. Not like the works of the sinful nature. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we said this summer that that means that we don't get to pick and choose. Well, I want to be loving, but I don't want to be patient. I want to have joy, but I don't want any of that self-control. No, you need all of that fruit. But here's something even more wonderful about its singularity. This is really a promise that the Spirit is going to do this in you. All of it. He's going to do this in you. That's what the Spirit is doing in you. It's His work. He's making you beautiful. He's making you like Jesus. His fight in verses 16, 17, and 18 is producing His fruit in verses 22 and 23. That's a description of what the Spirit is up to in you. In you. And Paul says, against such things there is no law. Of course, that means that it's not against any law to be loving and joyful and peaceful. But I also think he's saying that these things are not produced by the Mosaic law either. You don't need a law to produce this kind of living. You don't need circumcision. You just need the Spirit. And guess what? You have Him. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Number three and last, the Spirit has given us new life. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified sinful nature with its passions and desires. Now that's really good news. Paul is taking us back to our conversion And he's telling us what happened then. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Who's that? That's the people who put their faith alone in Christ alone, right? That's us. And what did we do when we put our faith alone in Christ alone? What's it say? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. When we repented of our sins and trusted in Jesus Christ, we put a nail into our flesh. We started the process of killing it. Todd, I almost got a hammer and nails for this week and and laid it down here and just pounded on a hammer, pounded on a nail up here. But I was afraid to hit my thumb, so I didn't. These are strong words. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, past tense, crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. What do those words remind you of? Or hide the word verse, right? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ, the life I live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, verse 24 of chapter 5 and Galatians 2.20 are not saying the same thing. They're not the exact same thing. 5.24 is built on 2.20. Because of Galatians 2.20 and how I was crucified with Christ, I have crucified the flesh. And it's dying. It's down for the count. The sinful nature was dethroned at the cross. More than dethroned. It was defeated at the cross. Decisively, it has received its death blow. Yes, it's still staggering around. Yes, the flesh is living a zombie existence, trying to still pretend it's in charge, fighting an insurgency to try to regain control. But it's a doomed, it's a defeated enemy. It's doomed to lose because it has been crucified with its passions and desires. It is lost. The flesh has lost. For whom? What did verse 24 say? For whom did the flesh lose? For those who belong to Christ Jesus. Who are those? Those are those the Holy Spirit lives inside of. Those in whom He is producing His fruit. Those whom He is giving, He has given new life. We sang it this morning. We believe You've given us new life. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. We live by His power. He has regenerated us. He has given us a new heart, a new life. This word live in verse 25 is not the same word for live back in verse 16. In verse 16, it was basically to walk. This is literally to live. To get your life from it's the word zoe, which we have zoology, like life, like life. We get our life from the Spirit, and that makes all the difference. So let us keep in step with the Spirit. Do you see how his logic works? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to giving in to the flesh. Don't stop fighting the flesh. It's ultimately crucified. Crucify it again today. Keep in step with the Spirit. 
Now that keep in step is also a different word from the walking in verse 16. This word here means to walk, yes, but it means to walk in line with a leader. It means the Holy Spirit is our leader and we're supposed to play follow the leader. Basically what we mean by discipleship. Walking with God, the Holy Spirit. Do you see how this passage is just full of good news? This passage doesn't say, yeah, you better clean up your life. Often when I read it, that's what I think. You've got a lot of work to do. That stuff about justification by faith, yeah, that's good, but it only goes so far, and then you've got to really kick in your effort. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is at work in all genuine believers. And His work is so much more powerful than what the law could do. And so much more beautiful. And so much more effective. Yes, there's a battle inside of you, but that's good news. Because the Spirit will win His fight in you. And the Spirit will produce His fruit in you because you belong to Jesus. You are crucified with Christ. And you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And the Spirit has given you new life. So, just keep in step with Him. Let's pray together. Lord, this is only true if someone has the Holy Spirit. And you only have the Holy Spirit if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So I pray for anybody here, whether it's their first time or their thousandth time to be with us, that each one here would know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That they would put their faith alone in Christ alone to get His grace alone to the glory of God alone. Would you do that, Lord, in somebody's heart even right now? Awaken faith in them so that they trust, they turn from their sin and they trust in the Savior. And they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because everyone who has the Spirit knows there's a battle going on. But we know it's a battle that the Spirit's going to win. And He's going to produce His fruit in us. Because He's begun this new life in us that starts now and goes forever. Thank You, Lord, for the gift of Your Spirit. Help us to follow the leader and keep in step with Him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.